Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of the man who killed democracy to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the promised proof fallacy. I say we, but I'm going to have to leave you in the capable hands of Jim flying solo, with the help of one or two others in a have-I-got-news-for-you kind of way for the next several episodes. The work I'm currently doing means there'll be a conflict of policies in doing this, especially at the moment, but I'll be back to join in the fun again when this period is over. Meanwhile then, I'll hand you back over to Jim to explain promised proof. So every now and again on this podcast, we talk about the fact that informal fallacies are informal both because of their form and also sometimes just because you don't have to be a specific person. You don't have to be a kind of a tenured philosopher or anything like that to to identify a fallacy and to give it a name. All, All fallacies are really is errors in reasoning, as we say every time in our intro, that happen so frequently that they're given a name. And when something comes up time and time again in arguments uh, or in in an attempt to provide evidence or back up for an argument or a statement that you're saying, and we see it time and time again sometimes, we like to give it a name here on the show. And this is another one of those instances. This is one that that I've called promised proof. It's not kind of a, a... fallacy that you'll find in existing lists until presumably sometime in the future where people start making lists and they refer back to shows like this and think oh okay that's one and they add it to their list so i look forward to that happening and when we finally get cited in some kind of uh, philosophy paper or journal (laughs) anyway promised proof is where someone instead of offering proof to back up their argument they tell you that the proof will come They tell you that the proof is just around the corner, you'll see it, um, and then often it doesn't show up. As in many cases with informal fallacies, this is um, not always fallacious when someone does this. Sometimes they are genuinely saying, we have proof, I will show it to you, and then they do show it to you. Um, And it's something that is either, you know, they can't show it to you for legal reasons at the moment, or possibly it's going through the peer review process in a journal. But where it's used to deflect an argument or a requirement for um, you to back up what you're saying. It's just the same, basically, as offering something like a non sequitur that that deflects and and distracts from the point that is requiring to be made or or requiring the the person making the statement to to give an answer or to back up what they're saying. It's a way of saying, let's move on. You'll see the proof. It'll come. Now, this is something that Trump does from time to time. And our first example is from when the Atlantic article came out about Trump calling um, soldiers losers and suckers, basically. They said that that was why he didn't go to the uh, the military cemetery when he was in France. And he claimed at the time that it was because of the weather. And when he was asked after the Atlantic article came out, he reiterated that claim. He said this. As far as that day, I mean, we have... So much proof as to going to the, we, I went to Paris and the environs, and I was all set to go. They had a rainstorm, the likes of which you've rarely seen. The fog was so great, it was, it was as dense as I've ever seen, and I almost knew that you couldn't use the helicopter. And because they had to drive through, I guess, certain parts of Paris, uh, the Secret Service, who, who, by the way, we have people here that were on the trip, They're writing a report, unable to even think about it. And I said, nope, I want to go. I insist on going. It would have taken us forever. The Paris police said, please, you can't do this. They'd have to shut down various parts of Paris. Uh, And it just was not a possible situation. The helicopter would have been very quick. They had the helicopter all set, but the helicopter could never fly in that kind of weather. So, and that turned out, and that's all documented, by the way. We have all of the information from and probably will release that information. So he's making specific claims there. He's saying that it was the weather, it was rainstorms like you've never seen, fog like he's never seen, and and the the helicopter simply couldn't fly in that weather, and the police in Paris couldn't 
shut off the roads for him to get there by car. But he really, really wanted to go, and there's proof that they will release at some point. They obviously didn't release any proof, and they couldn't release any proof because that wasn't true. In fact, it's reasonably easy to prove the opposite um, because there are records kept of weather. And, I mean, the publicly available records. You can go to a website called timeanddate.com and put in... Um, any city and any day, if you go and look up Paris on the 10th of November 2018, it says it was light rain. There was no fog that day. There was no heavy rainstorms. There was fog earlier in the week, uh, the previous week, rather. It's it's just not true, and it's provably not true. And, and the proof that he's suggesting he could give you at some point obviously isn't available, doesn't exist. The fact that all of the other world leaders made it to the cemetery on the same day. They were all staying around Paris or, you know, in other locations, and they made it because it was a slight drizzle that day. That's why. So um, he's offering proof that will appear at some point, but obviously doesn't actually have that proof. He's been doing this for a long time. Obviously, he was doing it before he was elected when he spoke uh, to Anderson Cooper. He made a claim that, um, or he he had previously claimed that Mexico were deliberately sending their criminals to the US rather than putting them in prison in Mexico. And Anderson Cooper asked what his proof was of this. You're telling me that one illegal immigrant wouldn't have a slip of paper or something that would indicate that he was sent. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to say, I think it's common sense. Mexico doesn't want to house somebody for 30 years in a prison when the United States but will do it. you keep saying everybody knows this is, this is the case. I that, think so, yeah. being I think a lot of people know. But there's no I think the smart that. people know. I think the streetwise people know. You, you and have I think no border guards know. Well, you're going to find out if I have evidence. I'm not telling you now, but you're going to find out okay. what I have. Again, Anderson Cooper is asking repeatedly, and this is where this fallacy gets used frequently is where people ask for proof if you make a statement and someone says okay can you prove that do you have evidence of that and and the person doesn't have evidence of it and they say you'll see i i will have evidence of it or something like that the evidence will come then then that's a red flag that this is happening and in this case he's he's saying we'll see we'll we'll find out if it's true they did they never did find out if it was true there was never any evidence that mexico was giving their criminals the right to uh, move into the US. Um, that that hasn't happened. No evidence has come forward of that and, and no proof has been offered by the, the White House or by Trump at any point. The likely reason for that is it isn't true. There's never been any reason other than uh, Trump saying it to ever believe it was true. It's not just Trump that does this, obviously. Um, in fact, just this week, following the, I mean, terrorist attack, on the on the capital, which we will discuss later, one of the the callers to C-SPAN was uh, one of the first people to, or that I saw at least, to try and blame it on Antifa, and uh, he was asked for proof. I don't promote what happened, but obviously Antifa terrorists are not going to show up in Trump shirts with Trump hats and Trump flags, you know, and not show how they're representing. They went in there with a plan, a, a very precise plan, and they accomplished what they wanted. And what that proof, is not Josh, what, what... What proof do you have of that? Oh, it'll come out. It'll come out. It is being it's only a couple hours. It will be it will be clearly coming out. Obviously this this caller has no evidence to back up the idea that um that it was actually Antifa people. Lots of evidence has come out since the 6th of January to show that these people who who were often on camera with no masks, um, smiling at cameras, often using their own phones to live stream stuff, often giving their own names to uh, reporters uh, who they talk to. Um, there's a lot of evidence that those people were Trump supporters, QAnon believers, regular faces at Trump rallies. Um, there has been no evidence to to show that they are uh, that any of them were Antifa, let alone even just a small group of them. That is actually another fallacy. That's a, a fallacy called the imposter fallacy. We will come back to that another time. We will talk about that in more detail when you suggest that actually it's um, uh, the the thing that people you like when they did something bad. It actually wasn't them. It was someone pretending to be them. 
It's a bizarre thing, but it comes up frequently and we will talk about it another time. But in this case, what Josh was saying was when he was specifically asked for proof by the lady on C-SPAN was, oh, the proof will come out. It'll come out. He, he has no more evidence for that than to back up what he's saying already. There's no reason to believe that evidence will come out for something you don't already have evidence for. Um, if, if you're basing your belief in it on evidence, then you already have evidence for it, <laughs> by definition. It may be true to say that something that you have evidence for, more proof, more evidence will come out in the future to, to make it more robust... It may be that in the future more evidence will come out on the other side that will make you doubt the evidence you currently believe. Um, either one of those two things could happen. What you can't say is this thing which I believe without evidence will be backed up by evidence in the future. So doing that, if you try and do that and you make that argument, you're using a fallacy. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. So Mark has given me an example from Boris, the go-to person for making promises and then failing to deliver, um, either on the promised thing or the evidence on which he's based his promise. Of course, the, the prime news cycle surfing ex-hack journalist minister. Because he is covered in the snake oil he sells, it's very difficult to get hold of an example of him promising any proof. Uh, for example, to back up his assertion that leaving the EU will provide £350 million a week for the NHS. And um, when squeezed, he slips from your grasp and proclaims innocence by referring you back to the weasel words he employed to allow himself to shelter behind plausible deniability. So by always making claims that he can wriggle out of later on, he... he tries to avoid this happening like in september 2018 when he said as and when the cash becomes available and it won't until we leave the nhs should be at the very top of the list uh, in fact even someone like nigel farage said um, immediately after the vote came through when people said you know okay can, is the nhs going to get that 350 million pounds a week even nigel farage said well that was not something we said we were going to do it was just something we said could be done with that money um but but boris hasn't done that he's he's remained slippery and has said the nhs should be at the top of the list for any spare money we have basically obviously we're we're now two weeks out uh, of the eu in the uk and uh, and no money yet for the nhs so we'll see so the nearest we get to Boris admitting that evidence even exists, let alone promising that he has it and that if we'd seen it, we would agree that he's right, um, is this clip from Commons Liaison Committee from the 27th of May 2020. Uh, Meg Hillier is asking about Boris's response to Dominic Cummings. Prime Minister, you said that a number of the allegations that are made about Dominic Cummings were false. You were with him for six hours. Did you see the evidence to prove that? Um Meg, I, I, you know, I don't want to, to yes go into... Yes or no, into, Prime Minister, it's a simple question. Yes, yes, or did you to, see the evidence? I don't want to go into uh, much more than I've said. It's a simple Sarah, question. Did you see the evidence? If, I will, if it pleases you, I will say yes, I did, but I don't want to... I don't want okay, to... Okay, well, if you say that's fine, I promise you, you saw the evidence. Would you agree that it would be a good idea for the Cabinet Secretary to see that or for it to be published? And then this problem might be off your table. Well, uh, I think, actually, that uh, it would not be doing my job if I were now to shuffle this uh, problem uh, into the hands of officials who, believe me, Meg, are, as I think the public would want, working flat out uh, to deal with uh, coronavirus. I think you've, everybody's had a... I, I know that there's a, there's a great political interest in this. I, I'm not certain uh, that... Uh, and I, I understand that completely. And I, and I, and I totally understand public uh, indignation. I totally understand that. But I, I do think that uh, as I understand things, and I've said what I've said uh, about the whole business, I think it would be much better if we could now uh, move on and focus on the next steps. So he is, when pressed, accepting that there is evidence, that he has seen the evidence, but he's not prepared to give it to anyone else. He's not um, prepared to pass it on to the people who, who arguably could use it to do their job because that would be some kind of um, abdication of his responsibility in some way. Um, 
so yeah, in this clip, he's basically saying, yes, there's, there is evidence that is what I'm basing my decision on, but no, you can't see the evidence. So as Mark says, Boris's statements all contain an inherent nod to some body of incontrovertible evidence, but his attitude of vacuously positive boosterism relieves him of any sense of the need to actually provide that evidence. During the COVID response, he dresses this up as following the science and wheels out Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty to be the embodiment of current evidence to justify decisions made too late, but never shows the supportive evidence as to why the decision to go tier two, three or four was better than full lockdown or why mass community testing isn't government policy, but only something that is encouraged by individuals. He never provides proof that things are or will get better, nor makes promises of providing that proof because there isn't any or it's unsupportable, or not science-driven, or rather, it's just party politics after all. And that's the problem. He simply doesn't think he has to be accountable to anyone. He wants to play at being the king without taking any responsibility for serving his subjects. He's never watched Spider-Man. So, one more clip here. And while, again, this isn't an example of promised proof exactly, this is a British comedian called Jonathan Pye, who his shtick is that he's a news reporter and he rants at the camera while, like, in between making his, doing his actual pieces to camera. So while he's waiting for the for the VT to run or whatever, he has a, a, a bit of a rant at his cameraman. And uh, this is what he said about uh, Boris's whole Christmas and New Year COVID response. Boris's entire COVID response from start to finish has been a tragedy of indecision. It's like a low-rent hamlet. Three days before he cancelled Christmas, Boris was talking about how important it was not to cancel Christmas. Then he cancelled Christmas. On Sunday, he told Andrew Marr that we're fucked, but still waits another 36 hours to lock us down. He also told Marr that he had no doubt that schools are safe and then proves it by closing them 48 hours later. What earth-shatteringly new information did he have on Monday night that he didn't have on Sunday morning? Why send kids back to school for one day? One day! If it's too dangerous to open them on Tuesday, it was too dangerous to open them on Monday. These mixed messages, they breed mistrust, which in turn breeds resentment, which in turn breeds people to go, oh, fuck it, I've had enough of this bollocks. I'm going out onto the street to cough on some old people. There'll be blue flags over the white house, it's over tomorrow. Just you wait and see. Though Trump can no longer tweet Lies he's sure to tell again And Donnie will go to sleep In his own padded cell again Just you wait and see. Dame Viral in there with the White Cliffs of Dover. Well, I was not expecting to hear Mark as Dame Viralin. That was a that was a twenty twenty one treat for all of us. So in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about fallacy of the week from a non political perspective. And this week, our first clip comes from uh, the wonderful murder she wrote. Uh, this is an episode where Jessica Fletcher is helping an old friend of hers. Hang on, that's every episode. In this case, the old friend is a um, a police lieutenant who is working a, a suicide case or a, an apparent suicide case that he actually believes is murder and uh, he has trouble proving it. So he is asked eventually by his superiors to give a press conference saying that it was, you know, all the evidence so far points to suicide and here is how that went. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I've been asked to read you this statement. Following several days of intense investigation, 
There is no clear evidence that Gretchen Fred's death was anything but suicide at this point in time. I'll take questions now. Uh, Lieutenant, what does at this point in time mean? It means no. Do you mean to suggest that there could be proof at some later time that this wasn't a suicide? I certainly hope so. <laughs> so the lieutenant here is, he's being a bit cheeky. Obviously, yes, the we believe, because this is murder she wrote, not suicide she wrote, um, that there was a murder here. We, we know who did it, basically. But um, he doesn't have proof. He doesn't have the evidence that he needs to arrest the guy at the moment. Um, so in this press conference, he is basically promising by, you know, by luring the reporters into asking the question about what he means when he says at this point in time, he's going around his bosses and and getting the opportunity to say there will be some proof, um, which in the context of the show <laughs> is fair enough because, again, we know that it really was murder, but in reality is is not how you can do things. It's not how you can make your argument that, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure I just don't have any proof yet. But saying everything that we know at the moment points to suicide and imply or state outright that that you will get proof that it was actually murder. My second example this week comes uh, from Mark, actually. He's pointed me towards this. And this is a, uh, a pastor called Jack Hibbs who spoke at the Proximity Conference in April 2020. This is the hour to shine the light like we've never had before. Things are so messed up. Yeehaw! Giddy up! Let's go! <laughs> Things are so crazy! Yes! And I'm not reveling in the insanity of it all. What I am saying is, Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draws near. This is an amazing time, so just you wait and see. If Jesus doesn't come back today, just wait and see what he does tomorrow. Wait and see what he does on Monday. Are you with me? Just wait and see what he does this year of 2020. Yeah, and I think we can all agree 2020 uh, didn't provide any evidence um, that that Jesus was coming back, um, unless unless you consider it to be the beginning of tribulations. It's possible, but anyway, yeah, this is a common thing done with religious types and other folk who want you to believe that something is going to happen, and you can keep looking if if you if you make that a rule where there isn't a, a set date, then yeah, if it doesn't happen today, it'll happen tomorrow. Just keep waiting. Just wait and see. It'll keep happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. The proof that that you have invested your your time, your money, your faith in the right God, the right church will come to you. It will be proven to you if you can just be patient and wait long enough. And without any end date, that is just something that can keep going. And they can keep people coming back to the church and, and keep telling them the same thing because people can continue to believe without seeing any evidence so long as they're promised that that proof, that evidence will come at some later date. Uh, even in cases where you are given an end date, <laughs> like some of the end time prophets uh, who actually say this this date will be the end of the world and then it doesn't happen and everyone goes, oh, that's weird. And some people will continue to believe because they'll just change it and say oh yeah we got the math slightly wrong it's actually this date two years in the future you should keep believing what i say and continue to give me money it somehow doesn't convince everyone that what they were doing was all a big waste of time so yeah there you go now, before I move on to fake news this week, I just want to address uh, a question that some of you may have, and it, and, and I, I know some of you may have it because some people have asked me it, and that is, in two weeks' time, by the time of our next episode, Trump will no longer be in office. Uh, who knows, possibly, by the time you hear this, Trump will no longer be in office. Uh, so what, what are we going to do? What is fallacious Trump going to continue? How can we continue if there's no, if there's no Trump in the White House? Well... The answer is absolutely we're going to continue. We have no plans to change anything that we're doing at the moment. Frankly, even though Trump is not going to be in the White House, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think he's going to be out of the public eye. I think he will continue to be very vocal. I think he will be complaining about Biden. The fact that he's no longer on Twitter makes a bit of a difference. Uh, I don't know 
where he's going to be going instead, but I'm sure he'll still have an outlet, whether it's on cable news or uh, or even Fox or, or somewhere else, or if he starts up the Trump News Network, as they've been threatening. Obviously, there's still at this point, and unless he gets impeached, a possibility that he will run again for 2024. If he doesn't, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Don Jr. or Ivanka running in 2024. Um, it is vitally important that that kind of thing doesn't happen uh, or at least they are not successful in that attempt and so we're going to keep doing exactly what we're doing we have plenty of material to work with to keep this podcast going for a long time we're going to keep bringing you the news of what's going on what the republicans are doing what the democrats are doing if they do stuff that's bad and what's going on with trump we will follow the impeachment trial if there is one we will follow the New York taxes trial, if there is one, and whatever information comes out that hopefully ultimately leads with at least one of the Trumps going to prison, who knows, will be there. So we're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Mark will absolutely, I promise you, be back soon. You only have a little bit longer to wait. Uh, it's not going to be the next couple of episodes, but he will be back soon. And Fallacious Trump is, is continuing. If... A miracle happens and somehow we we stop hearing anything about Trump and he just fades into the background. Maybe he, he heads off to Russia and stays silent or something like that and, and Charlie Kirk goes away and all of the Trump children go away. If something like that weird happens, then we'll we'll look at whether to to kind of move this in another direction. But at the moment I don't see any reason that we're going to have any less to talk about, frankly, uh, once Trump is out of office. So, so join us next time and keep joining us because we're not going anywhere. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game; it's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up. And this week, Frank has to figure out which one is fake news. Welcome back, Frank. Thanks for having me again. I'm so excited. More nervous actually this time, but there we are. <laughs> It's been a, it's been an eventful couple of weeks um, over Christmas and New Year, and especially just the last few days have seemed like a couple of weeks in themselves. But yeah. um, but this these quotes uh, that I'm talking about here, the theme is all from the um, the last rally that Trump, well, possibly will ever give. Yeah. Um, yeah. But certainly has given. Uh, it was the the one in Georgia the night before the Georgia runoff election. And um, he went there essentially to to talk about Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, the, the Georgia senators. Mm. Didn't end up talking about them very much. <laughs> so, right. uh, statement number one: I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about your two great Senate candidates. And frankly, I shouldn't have to do or to even tell you this, but I won Georgia very strongly. I won Georgia by thousands of votes, and it wasn't even close. There's all kinds of proof. A lot that you haven't even seen. And it's not just Georgia either. And if your governor wasn't one of the dumbest governors in the country, he wouldn't have let it happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's just, he doesn't give a, a crap anymore. He's just like, <laughs> your governor's rubbish, your state's <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> Goodness me. So uh, statement number two. Uh, we've all seen what our opponents are capable of doing. I ran two elections. I won both of them. Second one, much more successful than the first. But we can't let this happen any longer. On election night, we were leading by so much, we're not going to have that tomorrow. We're not going to have that tomorrow night where you're leading, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's gone like magic. Ooh, okay. Mm. And then statement number three. Gallup, Gallup, you know the Gallup poll, they did a, I don't say this braggingly, the most admired man in the world, or the country. I don't say it, I say it for a different reason. So I came in first, Obama came in second, and Biden came in way low. Then I say, and they say, and people have said, how is it possible that a guy who got 80 million votes can't get any votes for the most admired man? You know why? Because he didn't come in first, that's why. That one just makes no sense at all. <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, these are very close in my mind. The last one I'm doubtful of because it's, it's so nuts, but I think he's so off the deep end at this point that just saying the most admired man in the world i feel like is probably true but it's who is he even talking about here is he talking about biden 
Or himself. Oh, he's talking about himself, surely. Okay. Well, let's begin with number one. Um, I, the beginning with him being very uh, supportive about the quote two great senate candidates and then later calling the governor dumb is very on brand um but then i wonder if you're just really good at this by now which you are goodness me well i second one more successful than the first but we can't let this happen any longer what being successful is that what we can't help i'm gonna go with number two is probably real because I can hear him say like magic very clearly in my head. Um, and now I have a terrible feeling that's the one that's incorrect. But there we are. And I'm going to go with number one also being real. Because I think it's quite funny. Um, so I'm going to go with... I already have immediately regretted my decision. But I'm going to go with number three as the made up one. Okay, so... Uh, of the other two, which are you more convinced by? Oh, um, goodness me. Neither of them. I'm going to go with number one. Number one. Okay. Yeah. Number one is fake news. No. Oh, my <laughs> God. I didn't I'm sorry. stand a yeah. chance. Oh, it's brilliant. Fantastic. No, he, he did not say that. <laughs> Wow. Um yeah, he did he he did call uh the governor of of Georgia dumb. In fact, yeah. he called him one of the dumbest governors in the country. Um <laughs> but but not quite in that context and not it wasn't he didn't quite do such a clear I'm here to talk about your candidates not about yeah. me and then talk about himself quite as much. But um but essentially that was the theme of the whole speech was <laughs> I'm here to talk about your senators. Here's stuff about me, but enough about me. What do you think about me? Um, that kind of thing. Why so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that was not uh, something he said, but he did say number two. We have all seen what our opponents are capable of doing. I ran two elections. I won both of them. Second one much more successful than the first. But we can't let this happen any longer. On election night, we were leading by so much. We're not going to have that tomorrow. We're not going to have that tomorrow night where you're leading and then all of a sudden, boom, it's gone like magic. <laughs> oh, famous last words. I just, ah, oh, I just, at this, okay, so throughout most of his presidency, I was like, is he nuts or is this who he is actually? You know, is it an act or is it not? But then after Mitch McConnell and, and um, the vice president were like, yeah, there was no fraud, my guy. And he yeah. still continued to be like, you're all very special. Let's destroy democracy as we know it in this country. Wow. And um, I read a thing and it was like, um, the reason why he he doesn't want to leave office is because he will lose his immunity to, to prosecution once, once he well, know, yeah, gets out of office. Essentially. Um, um, I think there's also a, I mean, he's just a born grifter as well. Yeah. And, and all the time that he can be saying, oh, we need to raise money to fight this. He mm. can be getting donations into his political action committee that he set up, which he doesn't have to use for that. He can, mm use that money to pay off his own personal legal fees and essentially pay himself a salary from his pack. And it's, it's kind of not carefully checked where that money goes or comes from. Wow. So I, I mean, basically a lot of the stuff that he's been doing has just been to get more and more money from his supporters. It is kind of diabolically genius in the worst. In a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but there we are. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that is, you know, he he ran two elections. He did not win both of them. No. <laughs> the second one was not much more successful than the first. In a way, it was more successful because he got more votes, but also mm. more more people than ever in American history voted against an incumbent yeah. president. So, I, I think uh, he must have just read that he got the most votes of any Republican ever and then stopped reading yeah. any news report beyond that. Um, and, uh, of course, he did say number three. Gallup, Gallup, you know, the Gallup poll, they did, a, I, don't, I don't say this braggingly, the most admired man in the world or the country. I don't say it. I say it for a different reason. So I came in first. Obama came in second. 
and Biden came in way low. Then I say, and they say, and people have said, how is it possible that a guy who got 80 million votes can't get any votes for the most admired man? You know why? Because he didn't come in first. That's why. God, it's just... <laughs> If I'm ever on again, I'm just the most outlandish one. It will just be true. That's how I'm going to vote next time. I thought when I was reading yeah. it, I was like, there's so much contradiction here. It must be just an overdone. But if it, it, it's just you can't write this kind of stuff. It's so nuts. So he is he he did win the Gallup Gallup do a poll every year where they ask people, and it's a completely open question, so that it's not multiple choice. They say, you know, write in the name of the person in the world that you admire the most or the man in the world. They do a, man, a man's one and a woman's one. Mm-hmm. And he this year, for the first time, because all throughout his presidency, Obama has been winning. Oh, um, fantastic. <laughs> and, and, and this year he won. But the thing is, he only still got 18% of, <laughs> of people saying that he's the most admired person. And, and Barack Obama still got 15%, even though he hasn't been president for four years. Wow. Um, and the reason that Trump won, basically, is because all Republicans, it seems, mm. put, wrote in Donald Trump, whereas the Democrat vote was split between Obama, Biden, Anthony Fauci, Bernie Sanders, and, and various other people. Oh wow! So, because there were so many other people that Democrats think, yeah, there, I really admire them this year. Yeah, um, that essentially kind of let Trump rise to the top of a of a small pool. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, normally an an incoming president would be uh, up at the top; they would be high on the list. And and Biden did only get six percent of the vote, so it is lower than usual. But part part of that is because people still admire obama so much yeah yeah well exactly <laughs> yeah if it was like a if it was a forced multiple choice be, you know I believe, you know between him and obama for instance i mean against biden who's yeah. to say but it's I mean, almost clearly if it was between trump and biden biden got a, a much larger number of people in the yeah. country thinking he should be president so <laughs> it's funny as well you know bragging about this poll versus the actual uh election is just quite funny and also it's like you know, when time does person of the year, you know, they've not to be crass, but they have put Hitler on the front. And I just think, (laughs) you know, these sorts of, I just think it's so interesting that, um, well, not interesting, predictable and, uh, mildly terrifying that, um, he's bragging about this despite clearly, you know, not having won the election. He, he knew that right at this point that he hadn't won. Yeah. 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 This was, this was a few days ago, so yeah. <laughs> I suppose you know you get a clutch at the straws that that there are. So <laughs> absolutely, yeah. He couldn't let the, the opportunity to talk about it go go past. Absolutely, so fantastic. Yeah. So well, unfortunately, that means that you didn't win this time. No, I uh, mean it's so. to be expected. But this was an excellent <laughs> round. I really enjoyed this. I'm sure I said it last time, but yeah, this one was really tricky. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Sedition is Not a Logical Fallacy. Because when we think about what we're going to talk about in this section, a few days ago, I was thinking that what I'd probably be talking about was the result of the Georgia runoff elections. And then I thought on Saturday that maybe I'd be talking about the the kind of treasonous call that um, Trump made to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger about uh, wanting to get 11,780 more votes and what can you do for me fellas Mm -hmm. but then the sixth happened and um, democracy crumbled and a group of Trump supporters that were riled up and incited by well several members of the Trump family including Donald and Giuliani and others um, to essentially assault the Temple of Democracy in the US, the, the uh, US capital. Mm-hmm. So that was a thing. Um, yeah, so in the, in the morning of the 6th, um, there was a rally in DC, which had been going about on, on kind of right-wing social media for a while on Parler and on various other things about saying that stuff was going to happen. There was a lot of chatter online about 
um, you know, plans for possibly attacking the capital. There, it has come out since that there were people talking about, you know, what they should do once they get in there, and even kind of talking about burning it down and that kind of thing, which makes the the response from the law enforcement on on the sixth uh, laughably inadequate. Frankly, well, they they claimed that there was no way of knowing this was going to happen, and uh, I mean, even just watching Trump's speech where he was saying, "Right, you know, we're I I will go with you. We're all now going to march down Pennsylvania Avenue and go to the Capitol." <laughs> I know, um, and to say that that was unpredictable is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching the live broadcast, um, I believe it was the head of police or or something. Um, Homeland Security, perhaps in in Washington, um, she said. Well, the other rally had planning permission, um, but this one didn't. So there was no way we we could have known that, and therefore known to um, you know allocate resources uh, accordingly. Um, and in fact, then later on, when she was asked about the violent reaction to Black Lives Matter protests, her only answer was that they didn't have permission to hold the rallies that they held. Um, and yet storming the capital certainly wasn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. wasn't allowed. I mean, that's not the kind of thing you apply for planning no, for exactly. permission for, really, is it? So, and, and so yeah, I mean, the, the 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 difference in response, I mean, it, it was absolutely stark. You couldn't, you couldn't look at what was going on mm. without thinking about Lafayette Square six months ago and, um, you know, Trump having peaceful protesters who were chanting and kneeling uh, cleared out of Lafayette Square with tear gas mm. and and Rubble kind of lit. police with with um, riot shields whacking people, um, and yet uh, although there were some uh, police and some uh, capital police and and people like that um, kind of fighting back and pushing back on on some of the people who were trying to get in, there were also lots of images of police just standing by and letting people go past yeah. and not engaging. And even in one case, taking selfies with the rioters. Jesus. I saw some footage of um, the, the one woman who, who was shot, um, the footage leading up to it. There were armed police, although not with um, masks or anything, but, you know, and they were just standing at the back of the crowd, just sort of moseying about, you know, not not speaking to one another, not speaking to the protesters just nothing and i was like oh are, the, are these you know militants who have just happened to have bought you know bulletproof vests that say police on them i was i was really perplexed you know yeah but yeah fascinating there's there's a lot of talk obviously about whether the some of the police were complicit there's there was a video that went round suggesting that the police actually kind of moved the barriers aside to let the rioters through um, although that's not substantiated and, and even looking at that video pretty closely, it's really difficult to see who is actually moving the barriers, but mm. there's, there's not a lot of pushback. And, and I can, to some extent, understand if there's like 12 of you and 500 people coming at you, Yeah, you know, there's, there's only going to be a certain amount of pushing back that, that can be done and is even worth doing mm. um and and yes they should have had more people there they should have had more people and they should have um got more reinforcements a lot quicker than they did we still don't have the full story about mm. what happened after people managed to break in but the national guard was not deployed trump said in his statement the following day on on video that he deployed the national guard immediately he absolutely did not not only did he not yeah. do that but there have been various reports that the National Guard were delayed uh, in DC from from going there. Either deliberately he he refused to deploy them. Um, the, there have been reports from the Washington Post that the Pentagon stopped the the DC National Guard from getting equipment and ammo and things like that, so that they couldn't go. Yeah. Uh, the National Guard from from neighboring states were eventually deployed, and it was hours between um, the the essentially. You know the government building being breached by armed insurrectionists mm. and reinforcements showing up to do something about it. Yeah, um, I mean, even in the first few hours of of the um, 
the curfew didn't seem like anything was happening. Yeah, the curfew seemed to be the, the weirdly the thing that that made the biggest difference. Mm. It was it was soon after that came in that they were able to start getting people um, out of the actual Capitol building and down the steps yeah. uh, into at least that holding area. But there were very few arrests made on the day. Mm. Um, uh, there have now been more arrests made. A lot of the biggest viral photos, the, like the guy, for example, who was stealing the speaker's podium yeah. um, and kind of smiling for the camera, he's been arrested now. The guy who broke into Nancy Pelosi's office, put his feet up on the, on her mm. desk and wrote a note saying, we will not back down, I think it was. And possibly he's stole her laptop, I, I read yeah. as well. Possibly yes. Yeah. There's there's been there's been conflicting reports uh, of at various points, mm. but um, we do know that obviously a lot of people got into places they shouldn't have been. Uh, you know, Mike Pence was was kind of rushed to safety from from the building. Uh, journalists and uh, Congress people were taken to the basement and and kind of kept mm. in a secure area um, because. There were people in that crowd, at least, who who were, according to a lot of reports, promising violence. They were there yeah. was chance that they would they wanted to hang Mike Pence. Oh my there were me. there were people who had brought kind of zip ties for, I mean, arguably the main reason for 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 bringing zip ties, certainly the kind of flex cuffs in the way that they were presented was would be to to take people essentially hostage. Yeah. It, um, it reminds me of there was that short interview um, they were interviewing the crowd and there was a man who said I can't remember what, what news uh, channel it was but he said he was a Mexican immigrant who supported Trump and he said something like freedom is is bought with blood or something um, yeah just something terrifying to hear there was yeah, there were people with megaphones in the crowd kind of egging each other on and mm. saying, you know, if you're afraid of confrontation, don't go any further. We're we're going in now. And there was mm. a guy who, um, even after Trump had, well, Trump's kind of milk toast uh, video that he put out that was saying, okay, thanks very much. Yeah. We love you. You're very special. Now go home. Even after that, and people weren't going home, there was a guy who was who was there with a megaphone saying, "Okay, now now we need to attack the journalists." Basically, Jesus Christ, um, that's terrifying. Yeah, obviously there were some deaths. Yeah. Uh, there was a, uh, as you mentioned, a, a woman shot, kind of trying to to make her way through a window that had been breached into a secure area. It reminds me of all the photos. Reminded me of the um, the London riots, two thousand eleven. Well, all those people yeah. were posted to in uh, you know Twitter having stolen five kilo bags of basmati rice, and and then ended up in jail. Um, what I find really interesting is that Trump had previously signed an executive order to make damaging um, federal property, in, like the punishment ten years minimum in prison. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what he claimed it said when, yeah, he, well, when he announced it. That's mm. not what the executive order Is actually it not? did. Oh, I see. Um, no, no. Basically, the law already says that if you damage kind of memorials or, or federal buildings, um, it's actually a 10-year maximum sentence. Oh, I see. Um, mm. And um, what Trump did when he, when he put out that executive order was said, uh, you, you should judges should prosecute and and do mm. this it that be, was essentially you know we should we should uphold the law about these things well i'm glad the president was, agrees it didn't change anything yeah but, yeah I, I think it would be really interesting to see whether because i think a lot of uh, lawmakers especially under this government have been hesitant to make examples of of white uh, nationalist terrorists but i think it'll be interesting to see here now whether they use them as an example and, and imprison them to, to the maximum extent of the law because of the threat to democracy um, rather than, you know, their actions as, as white uh, nationalists or, or rather, you know, domestic terrorists in general. Um, yeah. You know, I, I wonder if they'll ignore the association with, with Trump and just go on the basis of it was an attack on Capitol Hill, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think one thing is that even some... Uh, senators who have been completely 
pro-Trump the whole time mm. have have moved away from these people and have called them uh, at least they've called them rioters and thugs and things like that. Obviously, yeah. the Democrats are quite rightly calling them domestic terrorists. I think thug is such an important word for them to be using because you know ever since the Clinton administration, thug has been used quite publicly by government officials to describe young black men or young black people. Yeah. Um, so I thought it, it was really interesting to hear commentators, um, Republican commentators, use the word thug. And I thought that was that was an interesting um, and important thing to, to pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the fact that they have um, spoken negatively about them and, and, and have started to move away from Trump and, and even... Um, a couple of cabinet members, Elaine Chow, who is Secretary of Transportation, um, also Mitch McConnell's wife, she's resigned from the cabinet, and Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education, has resigned. Mm. Um, obviously, t- far too fucking little, far too fucking late. <laughs> well, quite. That's how I feel about um, um, the whole Twitter thing as well. Them, them banning. Yes, people. yes, um, yeah. So the other, the other thing which is brilliant is that he has been banned for life from Twitter mm. uh, for for because of the risk of inciting violence, which is absolutely what he's been doing for four years. Well, quite, yeah. This attack on the Capitol was simultaneously incredibly shocking and not at all surprising. Mm, absolutely disappointed, but not surprised is the phrase that comes yeah. to mind. And also probably not the last we'll see of this kind of thing, even in the, mm. in the coming days. There, there is already talk of um, something else happening on the 17th, even, which is before the inauguration, and almost inevitably something happening on Inauguration Day. Yeah. Hopefully the FBI and the, the National Guard and the DC police will be ready for stuff happening. Um, there mm. have also been Trump supporters at... at uh, state houses around the country, um, kind of protesting and and yeah. trying to gain entry and have gain entry in some places, including I think Oregon, and and obviously that has been a lot less in the news because of the national stuff going on with with DC. Mm. But this isn't going away quickly, even with Trump finally coming out and saying that you know this is bad. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> kind of reading yeah. a prepared statement like a like a hostage <laughs> but yeah on on the right-wing sites um p- some people are saying you know look we've we've done everything for him we've even stormed the capital and now he's just completely thrown us under the bus mm. but an equal number of people seem to be saying and um, yeah that's not even him that's a deep Whoa. fake he wouldn't say wow. that he wouldn't he wouldn't you know bow to the pressure in that way he's too strong for that that kind of thing God, the Which psychology is of it is amazingly so delusional. Yeah, the fact that even after um, the the capital got got breached, uh, Ivanka Trump was putting out a tweet, kind of, kind of condemning these people, but but started out by calling them American patriots, goodness, um, and and saying they had to be peaceful and go home. Um, the the fact that they are seen in any way. Uh, it, at least within that group, but also um, by by Trump and his followers as patriots, mm. it, it's it's stunning that they have managed to redefine patriot in a way that includes people who who try to take over or the the workings of Congress and take down the U.S. flag and replace it with a Trump flag. Well, quite. I suppose but to 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 then to look at that and call it patriotic. Mm is just i mean such a backward reading of any kind of logic or <laughs> semantics Absolutely. or american yeah. ideal or anything but i mean it's to amazing. them you know trump is quintessentially american and so you know to them in, indeed patriotism looks like this um i always found well i think most non-americans do that the, the I don't want to say worshipping, but but the pedestal in which the Constitution is, is placed and, and the patriotism that Americans feel, quite fascinating. Um, obviously, there are going to be ongoing Im- implications and consequences from this, mm-hmm. uh, not only for the, the, the rioters themselves, the terrorists, who who 
almost universally, thanks to the fact that they are also anti-mask, were, yes. were very visible <laughs> in lots and lots of pictures. Um, and so reasonably easy to track down. Mm. The FBI put up uh, lots of pictures of people and asked for help identifying people and have immediately received lots and lots of help. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and even, I mean, people people were giving their their names and and kind of state to news organizations that were interviewing them outside the Capitol. Um, and they, mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Evans, who uh, he's a, West Virginia member of the state house of delegates mm. he was there and oh and God. breaching the capitol and he was live streaming it and was he said as they got in basically within about 10 seconds he said yeah Derek Evans is in the in the congress <laughs> and like no don't if you're going to do it if you're going <laughs> to live stream it at least don't use your name when you That's do it brilliant. That's just fucking <laughs> stupid so he's now been arrested but the yeah the fact that that so many of these people are so stupid and th- and think that they have this right to do it means mm. that they are quite easy to track down. So there will be a lot of charges yeah. uh, for those people and hopefully a lot of them will go to jail for a long time. Mm. Um, and there are also likely to be consequences of at least some kind, even for Trump. And yes, at the moment, we're still waiting to hear what those consequences will be. There was talk um, early on about the possibility of invoking the 25th Amendment. Um, mm. That doesn't seem likely now, but Democrats have been um, putting together articles of impeachment. Yes. And that is something that could be voted on um, as early as next week. And at first it might seem a bit unnecessary because he's only got 12 days left, uh, even less than that now. Um, well, it only but, takes a day to storm the Capitol. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, there's one of the advantages, if nothing else, means that they can vote that he can no longer hold any office. Mm, yeah, um, if they if they choose to convict. So that would stop him from being able to run again in 2024, which is absolutely worth doing, although it won't obviously stop Donald Jr. or Ivanka or God forbid, Eric, from, <laughs> from getting involved in politics. But I think it's worth, absolutely worth doing. And not only that, but incredibly important as a precedent mm. to say that this is the kind of behavior that you just cannot do and it isn't acceptable. Yeah. Even if it doesn't have any other effect, even if he's already out of office by the time there's there's a kind of hearing on it and and a vote, it's important. As was as it was the last time he was impeached, mm. um, to say this kind of behaviour is unacceptable. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Sadly, eclipsed by the shitty news this week was the best news we've had for a long time. Democrats won both Georgia Senate runoff elections, handing control of the Senate to the Democrats and allowing the Biden administration to actually get shit done. Apart from the excellent work by Stacey Abrams and others to get out the vote and the excellent campaigning from Ossoff and Warnock, we have to thank the Republicans for this. Because without Trump continuing to cast doubt on the integrity of the democratic process and focusing almost entirely on whining about the election results instead of campaigning for Purdue and Loeffler, without McConnell spending the last few weeks depriving people of desperately needed money, without Lynn Wood telling Republicans not to vote, and without Loeffler and Purdue being hateful, soulless, bigoted, literal crooks, it might not have happened. I don't know about you, but I like to see New Year in with a big celebration. This year, having been somewhat different, the prospect of spending that evening with, say, an unsuccessful presidential candidate might well have been the cherry on the Xmas pie. Certainly, those who stumped up hundreds of dollars for the New Year's bash at Mar-a-Lago were expecting, if not promised, that Trump and his missus would be there with them putting on a super spread. Inexplicably, however, those two bailed to Washington on the Wednesday and left them with the greasy B-team of Don Jr., other miscellaneous Trump offspring, and the dripping super spreader himself, Rudy Giuliani. Never fear, to help try and prevent buyer's remorse from kicking in too soon, they were also serenaded by one-hit wonders Vanilla Ice and Berlin. Perhaps they were persuading them to party like it was 1987, and that they were actually all still in Back to the Future too. when Biff won all the money, got the girl, and was still the king, and they weren't in a sad, fake-tanned white pensioner's retirement home, abandoned by the proprietor, who cares more about their cash than their adulation. No, He cares about their adulation, just not about being close to their maskless pox-filled breath as they exhale it all over him. Actually, $900 a pop represents pretty good value. Who now wouldn't want to pay that amount not to be in the same room as him? 
Over 60 court losses is nothing if you're a master dealmaker really determined to subvert the will of the American people. So Trump called Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger last week and spent an hour trying to get him to break the law to help Trump out. Fortunately for us, a member of Raffensperger's team recorded the call, and when Trump lied one more time on Twitter about the integrity of the state's election process, they sent the recording to the Washington Post. Anyone looking for a masterclass in negotiation from one of the world's most successful businessmen might have chosen in the past to attend Trump University, but since that's sadly been forced to close because of all the fraud, this phone call will have to suffice. Not to worry, though, you can still learn key skills like lying. Uh, If we could just go over some of the numbers, I think it's pretty clear that we won. We won very substantially, uh, Georgia. Suggesting what to say when you break the law. There's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Awkwardly flattering the lawyer. I'm sure you're a good lawyer. You have a nice last name. Threatening your opponent with prosecution. You know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offence. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk. To you and to Ryan, your lawyer. And desperately begging for help when you have nothing left to offer. So what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. When you're a white privileged, newly elected Republican senator, is it possible for anyone to take your words about Hitler out of context? Especially when the context is about not losing future elections by winning the hearts and minds of the young in the ways of republicanism. And the words are, Hitler was right on one thing. He said, whoever has the youth has the future. After her office tried to twist the words and to make it into a denunciation of evil dictators' efforts to re-educate young people and similar efforts by left-wing radicals, downstate Illinois representative Mary Miller went on to say that people were twisting her words to mean something antithetical to my beliefs. Then why not use a reference to those left-wing radicals, the Russian Communist Party and their young pioneers who were schooled along party lines since childhood? Is it even more antithetical to be seen to be knowledgeable about what socialism really is? which might turn off her fellow Electoral College vote objectors or her husband who attended the rally at which the insurgent-in-chief incited people who definitely don't have the hammer and sickle tattooed on their chests to stop the electoral vote counting. Apparently, we need to ensure that young Republicans are brought up to realise that there is something worse than mentioning Hitler. As well as Trump's lifetime ban from Twitter, a number of other right-wing voices have also been banned, such as attorney and crazy person Sidney Powell and attorney and crazy person L. Lynn Wood. Wood has gone from spouting the usual Trump-supporting QAnon-believing bullshit to some conspiracy theories that are causing us some genuine concern here at Fallacious Trump, because there's a point where it's okay to laugh at people, and then there's a point where you wonder whether anyone around him can get him the help he so obviously needs and mr wood is fucking right there on the border of those two points so i'll leave it up to your conscience whether you find it funny that wood claimed last week that supreme court chief justice john roberts is a paedophile who was involved in the death of antonin scalia and that jeffrey epstein is still alive it's good to know trump's lawsuits are in such good hands okay i'm casting men in black five there's a pharmacist in this one You know, Agents K and J meet with an innocent-looking person who has the inside track on interstellar skullduggery. What's his backstory? You'd want to start with the word self-declared conspiracy theorist, right? Because they're the really weird ones. Not enough to have someone else declare that to them. They say it about themselves. Doubly weird because they have the knowledge that what they believe are those off-the-beam, out-there explanations for things most people have a rational explanation for. Let's face it, the plot of every Men in Black film, really. And it works because we all go, ha-ha-ha, they're pretending this weird shit is real and we know it isn't etc etc except okay this pharmacist is real a self-declared conspiracy theorist who destroyed 500 doses of the covid vaccine on christmas day at his hospital pharmacy in grafton missouri because they would have mutated the dna of the patients well quite right too thank the lord for people like steve brandenburg because blimey 500 mutants with zero chance of being mutants and now zero chance of being immunized would have really impacted the lives of those around them much much more than the 21 million US citizens infected with, and the 350,000 who've been killed by COVID-19. Yeah, good work, Steve. Here's the part where Agent K blows your head off again. Aforementioned crazy person Sidney Powell is one of the crazy people that voting machine company Dominion is getting ready to sue for defamation. And while I love to see it, I can't help thinking she's going to get off on the Tucker Carlson defence that no right-minded person would take anything she says seriously. 
Meanwhile, Dominion has been sending out litigation hold letters to make sure that evidence is saved, including one to Rudy's star witness and comedy drunk person Melissa Carone, which said... You have positioned yourself as a prominent leader of the ongoing misinformation campaign by pretending to have some sort of insider's knowledge regarding Dominion's business activities, when in reality you were hired through a staffing agency for one day to clean glass on machines and complete other menial tasks. Which is kind of amazing. Here in the UK, we have adopted a new three-part slogan. Will I say that? We've actually returned to the simple rigour of stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. Because the virus still exists, and so does the government, and the former has much more control of the latter than vice versa. After reflecting on the success, cough, cough, of Boris's inept cabal of shit munchers, the new three-part phrase, in reality, is Starmer suggests, Boris rejects, Sturgeon implements, Boris U-turns, a tissue, a tissue, we all get blamed. Sorry, is that five parts or tier two? Lockdown three or the 12th of never? Whatever. It's been and will continue to be a long, long time. Having heard that today's death toll alone exceeds Australia's entire tally for the whole pandemic so far, I'm off to trace my eligibility for an Antipodean passport till next time then she'll be right no worries good day so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week i'd like to thank my guest presenter frank you can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. and if you hear trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy our contact details are on the contact page if you think we've used a fallacy ourselves let us know and if you've had a good time please give us a review on apple podcasts stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash f trump just like our straw man level patrons, Kaz Tuhi, Schmutz, Mark Reiki, and Amber R. Buchanan. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by the Outburst and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Don. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>